How many love peace? How many parents love it when the kids go off to school and all of a sudden you go, ah, come on, you can be honest, peace, right? Oh, how many, how many, I don't know what this is like, but could you tell me those that have, your kids have all left home, the empty nesters, is that nice? I just need to know. I'm not really sure what that's like yet. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that day. They tell me it's awesome, but, uh, you know, the, that day I know is coming, another level of peace, hallelujah. But, um, you know, there's nothing better. If you're going to forfeit your peace, you should forfeit for grandchildren. I'm just going to tell you right now. If you're going to disrupt your peace, disrupt it for the grandkids. That's what you want to do it for. Praise the Lord. So, we want to talk about peace today. You know, one of the famous scriptures that's used around Christmas time is from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And it says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, what? The Prince of Peace. One of the, the monikers, one of the names given to our Savior, this prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus came, is that he would be called the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. And, you know, when we, t- we can't talk about Christmas and what Jesus gives us without talking about peace. Jesus is the architect of peace. And I think of all the names... Uh, Uh, of Jesus, there is none that is more uh, royal, because it's prince of peace, and yet at the same time more communal, something that we can, we desperately grab a hold of and can share with one another than peace, the prince of peace. It's something that we can uh, walk in, that we can, uh, we can express to one another, we can cleave to, is Jesus' peace. Hallelujah. Jesus was no ordinary man, right? Jesus was no ordinary man. Jesus uh, is a fusion of God and man. He's the God-man. All, uh, he's a, a mixture of the divine and us, the lowly. He is yet a, he's not just half and half. That's what a lot of mistakes people make. They say, well, he's 50-50. No, he's not 50-50. He's a 100-100. He's a unique breed. He was uh, 100% God and 100% man. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? And uh, he was a fusion of those two natures into one being, who walked and dwelt among us. And uh, we have to understand the nature of him before we can understand how he is able to give us peace. Because he was divine, he is able to impart peace to us. And his very nature enables him to be able to release uh, his peace. This is Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the Son of God of all creation, come and born as a baby in a manger, bringing peace to all. I want you to listen to some scriptures that talk about the promises of peace that are ours in the scripture. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Isaiah 26 verse 3. How many love that verse? I quote that thing probably just about every week, you know, because it's one of my favorite verses about peace. Here's another one for you. John 14 verse 25, 27. All this I've spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus said, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. And then Jesus said this to the disciples before he went to the cross. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Amen? Praise the Lord. Another excellent verse about peace. 
Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 to 18. And here he's talking about uh, what we've received and what was available to the, to the Jewish people and how Jesus brings the two together. And listen to this, he says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man, one new people, one, the body of Christ, Uh, out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and he preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near, in other words, to the Gentiles and to the Jews, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Peace. Jesus came with a message of peace to both. Amen? Praise the Lord. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And then he adds, and be thankful. Right? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, and be thankful. And be thankful. Another excellent, excellent passage. Praise the Lord. Uh, One more. Do not be anxious about anything. How many things can you worry about? Nothing. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition... With thanksgiving, present your request to God. Does that sound like a pretty good plan? That's what you're supposed to do. And then listen to what he says. And the peace of God. Everybody say peace. Peace. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Whew. You want that peace this morning? That's how to get it right there. That's how to get it. All right? You can get peace that way. Every one of us can get peace that way. And these scriptures, are, they reinforce the promise of the Prince of Peace. That he came that we might have peace. And not just an ordinary peace, but what's the Bible tell us? A peace that transcends all understanding. That's the kind of peace that he said he came to bring. A peace that transcends all understanding. What does that look like? Well, you know, you, you go to the doctor and he tells you you got this problem or you got that problem. And the, the average person might just freak out. But you go, you know, I got peace because I know my God's in control right? You go to the bank and they say, you know, your credit's so bad. There is no way that you will ever, ever qualify. My wife and I know what that's like. We went to the bank once a number of years ago. It was actually about three years before we bought the house we live in now. And uh, we wanted to buy a house over in Richmond Court. It was a two-story that was there just off Bridge Street. And we went and looked at that house. It was $165,000 or something like that, I think. And the bank was like... You know, how many of you have ever went to the bank and they laughed at you, right? <laughs> and, and, you know, it wasn't because we had bad credit. It's just because we didn't have enough money and we didn't have enough equity and we didn't have a, a you know, financial position that said, you know, you could do it. So they just laughed. And they said, no, no, that, that your, your income to debt ratio, no, and all that kind of stuff. They said, no, it's not going to happen. Three years later, we were in the house we're in now. And, uh, and now the joke is, like, it's worth over 400000 hallelujah. And uh, my house is worth so much now I couldn't afford to buy it. But, uh, <laughs> but God is good. We just realized we need a miracle, and we watched the Lord turn things completely around in three years, uh, and God is able to do that. And you just have to trust Him. You have to listen to Him. Sometimes you've got to do some things that He tells you to do, but you've got to trust Him, right? And we did that, and praise the Lord, here we are today. Hallelujah. So you have to understand that this is what the peace uh, is that comes to us through Christ. And throughout history... The gospel of Christ has been the gospel of peace. And wherever the true gospel of Christ has been preached, 
peace. Everybody say peace. Peace, peace has prevailed. I want to share a brief story this morning. I got a couple stories I'm going to share, and then my wife's going to uh, conclude this morning. But uh, I want to tell you the story about a monk, and uh, his name was uh, Telemachus. And Telemachus is now considered a saint in the Catholic Church, but he wasn't born a saint. How many know none of them were born saints? You know, they, most of them had a, a, quite a history beforehand. And Telemachus was born around the end of the uh, 4th century. Uh, no one knows for sure the exact date, but probably somewhere in the 380s, somewhere around there. And uh, anyway, he was uh, quite a wild young man, spent most of his time traveling around uh, Asia Minor in the area, living a pretty wild, crazy life. And, uh, and then one day, though, he had an epiphany, and he had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and he gave his life to Christ. And he immediately uh, became involved in, in a monastery. And I know when we hear a monastery nowadays, we think of this, this thing where, you know, the, the, you, know you, have a, you take a vow of silence, and nobody's allowed to talk, and you walk around in, in contemplative prayer all day long. But you have to understand, when they first began, that's not what they were like at all. They were the place that were the center of business and commerce and, and helping the people in every community. That wherever they cloistered together, they opened bake shops and carpentry shops and they taught people how to read and to write and they, they generated, the, the, basically they were the ones that generated wealth and blessing in, in the community and they infused their communities with life. So he got right in there and he began to love and to serve uh, in the community. And then he had this one night when he was praying and he felt God call him to Rome. And uh, he'd never been to Rome before, as far as we know, but he went to Rome and followed the call of the Lord. This was in 404 AD. And uh, he went to Rome, and while he was there, no one knows exactly how it happened, but he ended up going with the crowd into the Colosseum on the day of the gladiatorial contest. And he got dragged with the crowd into the stadium, and there was Telemachus the monk and kind of looking around, and no one knows exactly how, what happened that, that initially that spurred this, but as the gladiators came out onto the field and they looked toward the emperor and they said, we who are about to die salute you, uh, you know, that Telemachus was just shocked at what he saw. And then they began to draw swords and they began to attack and fight one another. And he jumped over the embankment, and it's pretty high if you've ever been there before, down onto the field and he ran out into the midst of the soldiers and he began to cry out and he began to say, in the name of Jesus, forbear. Or quit, stop. And at first they all looked at him. The gladiators were kind of taken back. They didn't know if this was some kind of a comedy routine that they were adding to it or what was going on. Why is this guy, this funny looking guy running around uh, with no weapons or anything else and telling us to stop? And, and most of them were probably thinking, who is Jesus? And he started yelling out, in the name of Jesus, stop. In the name of Jesus, stop. And what happened next, no one's really sure. The, the records are a little bit confusing. Some say that one of the gladiators turned and, and finally, uh, because of the yelling of the crowd, stabbed Telemachus and ran him through. Others' uh, accounts, and probably the most reliable ones, uh, written by uh, another um, a historian about 30 years after his death, said that the crowd themselves were so indignant this guy was ruining their fun that they picked up stones and they threw them at him and they stoned him to death. Regardless of how he died, the last thing that came out of his mouth is he continued to yell out and scream at the top of his lungs, in the name of Christ, stop. Stop. And then he lay there dying in a pool of blood. And the whole crowd got silent. And then finally somebody got up and left, and another person left. And over the course of the next 20 minutes, the entire stadium of 80,000 people left. And that was the end of the gladiatorial contest in Rome. 
One man laid down his life. And his message was what? Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Lay down your weapons. Stop this. Stop it. And he ended one of the most violent eras in history. Came to an end because of one person who had captured the understanding that Jesus was the Prince of Peace. Amen? And it came to an end because of one man. One man. Hallelujah. As believers, every single one of us is called to create an atmosphere of peace. We won't be called to do it in as dramatic a fashion as Telemachus. Because we don't live in as broken a world, I don't think, in many ways, as the Roman Empire. I mean, at the time of Christ's birth, let's face it, the emperor could give an edict that every child to and under could be slaughtered, and they just carried out his orders and did it, right? So how many know Trudeau couldn't give that order today, right? You know what I'm saying? So uh, we created, we're still called to create an atmosphere of peace. Whether it's in our homes, they should be places of peace. They should be. Uh, where we work should reflect our peace. It should change. I'm not saying that you're going to make it perfect, but what I'm saying is, is that when you step into the environment, you start to change the environment. We are people who, we're not, we're not thermometers that measure the attitude, because a lot of times that's all, all we do. Well, well, you know, this place is just so corrupt. Well, that's the role of a thermometer. It's measuring what's going on in the room, right? Anybody can do that, right? All it takes is a little a red dipstick. That's what, that's what a thermometer basically is, right? Uh, what it takes is skill, it takes patience, and it takes grace to be a thermostat. So when you walk into an environment, you shift the temperature because God has called you to invade that place with his peace. And as Christians, we're not called to be thermometers. We're not called to measure it. We're called to change it. Are you hearing me this morning? And our relationships, they should be testimonies of peace. You know, I mean, everybody has spats. Sherry and I have had a few. Yeah, we have. It's hard to believe. I don't. Um, you know, Sherry, yeah, Sherry says, I usually win. Yes, she does. Uh, you know, uh, because she's usually the one that was right in the first place. So, but, you know, we, we have them. But here's the thing. that the, the reality is, is that we don't live in that place. Some people live in drama. I, I watch the stuff going on in Facebook or whatever. And I'm like, really? Where do you find the energy for that kind of drama? Every day, drama, 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 drama. I'm like, I, I just get a headache even reading it. And, and then, and you know, and that brings me to one of my pet peeves is reality TV shows, you know. Why do you want to watch drama? You know, it's not like it's a story or a movie it's that, that they're trying to retell. This is people pretending that they're living their real life in front of you when you, how many know it's all fake, okay? Just to help you out, just in case you hadn't realized that, scripted and fake, okay? Uh, and, and then, and you're watching all of this, this foistered tension and drama and People yelling and whining and screaming at each other and everything else. Why would you want to put that in your life? Shut it off. Shut it down. Same thing with anybody who tries to draw you into that on Facebook or Twitter or any other. Just stop it. Peace is what you want to bring. Peace is what you want to bring. Someone say amen. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. God wants you to discover his peace, and he's so committed to your peace that he's even willing to discipline you to bring it about. Did you know that? Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 says this, verse, starting at verse 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. 
Not bad, eh? Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. I mean, isn't that, that's what we're, how we're supposed to live. The discipline of the Lord produces peace. That's what the writer's telling us. Then he goes on to tell us that we're supposed to make every effort to live in peace and to be holy. And then he tells us to make sure that nobody misses out on God because we let our bitter root get in there. How many have ever let a bitter root get in? You can't let that happen. You know, well, I've, I've let one get in, but somebody else caused it. It wasn't my fault. They caused it, Pastor. You know what? You're right. They may have. They may have. People can do offensive things. How many know that? The other night, I'm in the parking lot at uh, Canadian Tire. True story. I'm driving up the aisle, you know, between the you know, cars, right? And it's dark, and it's yucky out, and all the rest of it, and I'm driving up. And this guy in a big Ford F-250, it was a nice truck, he comes around the corner like this, just flying, right? And he comes around, I'm going this way, he comes around this way on me, and then following behind him, kind of beside him, is, is these people pushing a shopping cart, right? Yeah, they're pushing a shopping cart. So I'm thinking, I don't want to bump into them, so I stop, right? I think that's a nice thing to do. Don't run over shopping carts and people. So, <laughs> so I stop, right? And the truck, he comes around, and then he kind of loops like this to go into a parking space, and when he loops around, his bumper just right down the back corner of my car. My car just goes like this, just rocked when he hit the car. He was flying, and he pulls in the parking space, and I'm like, seriously? You know, the guy doesn't get out, so I get in my car, and I walk over to his car, and I go, <laughs> like this, and he pretends he's on his phone, and he's like, and I won't look up, you know. So, you know, I'm like, well, I'm not going to go pick a fight with the guy or anything like that. It ain't worth it. It's just a car. So I get in the car, and I don't even when I told Sarah, I was like, next day or something, hey, did you know somebody hit me last night in the parking lot or something like that? And then yesterday, not yesterday, what day was I uh, with Rob? Wednesday? Thursday? Thursday, I was with Rob Brower. We were having lunch at the new Irish restaurant that used to be Kelsey's. You guys know what I'm talking about? So I'm parked in there, and I'm, we're standing outside talking. Afterwards, one of the staff comes up, oh, by the way, do you, one of you guys own this car? Well, yeah, me. And then I go, um, yeah, here's the license plate number, but this dear elderly lady, she was backing out, and she scraped the side of your car. I go, really? And they go, yeah, yeah, she did. There it is, that long, right down the side of the car. Yeah, yeah, she did. Here's her license plate number. I go, what am I going to do with that? I'm not going to, it's just a car. Just a car. That's why you should own older cars, because you can just say, it's just a car. If you're driving a Ferrari, you might not be inclined to say it's just a car. But, you know, I'm able to go, just a car, you know? And uh, the reality is, because peace is more important to me than my car. Someone say amen to that. Amen. Hello? None of your stuff should matter so much that you can't live at peace over it. Can I say that again? None of your stuff, everybody say stuff. None of your stuff should matter so much that you're willing to lose peace over it. It's just a car. Makes two good stories in a sermon, too. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. If, even in the midst of conflict, Jesus is able to find a way to bring peace and bring peace to it. Even, and, and the last story I want to share with you, and then my wife's going to come up. Even in the horrors of war, peace can be found. His peace can invade. And uh, so before I hand over Sherry, I want to just share one more true story with you. This is true. See? I'm not making anything up this morning. I want, to, I want to talk to you this morning about the Christmas truce. You may have heard of it before. But, um, you know, 
I want to go back in time to World War I and the trench warfare. And if you've seen any pictures of what it was like, you know, they'd dig holes just a few hundred yards apart and they'd shoot at each other relentlessly. And this was the setting in the Western Front in World War I. In 1914, uh, the war was being fought, and as Christmas Eve settled upon the battlefield, the divide between the two forces was called no man's land, a sliver of space between the trenches. And in no man's land, nobody ventured out, because if you did, you got shot. Enemy fire would take you out every single time. Yet this is where the Christmas truce took place. From a short distance, candlelight twinkled in the night, and you could hear the voices of each other in their, in their respective trenches. And then they could hear the Germans singing Silent Night. And then they could hear them singing First Noel, and it interrupted the darkness. And then the soldiers on the British side and the, and the United Forces, they began to sing. And English and French began to sing as well. And it was the most spectacular thing. And then, then they began to leave their trenches. And they went out and they met their enemy in the middle of no man's land. And they stretched out hands. They, they shook hands. They exchanged gifts. They, they, they played soccer with one another. They, they, uh, all kinds of things took place. And we know this because of actual first-hand reports that took place on the battlefield. A, a gentleman named Bruce Bairn's father. British soldier wrote this, and I'll put it up on the screen for you this morning. He said, I wouldn't have missed that unique and weird Christmas day for anything. I spotted a German officer, some sort of lieutenant, I should think, and being a bit of a collector, I intimated to him that I had taken a fancy to some of his buttons. I brought out my wire clippers and with a few deft snips, removed a couple of his buttons and put them in my pocket. I then gave him two of mine in exchange. The last I saw was of one of my machine gunners, who was a bit of an amateur hairdresser in civil life, cutting the unnaturally long hair of a docile German, who was patiently kneeling on the ground while the automatic clippers crept up the back of his neck. True story. Henry Williamson, who went on to be a famous nature photographer, said this, Dear Mother, I'm writing from the trenches. It's 11 o'clock in the morning. Beside me is a coke fire. Opposite me, a dugout wet with straw in it. The ground is sloppy in the actual trench, but frozen elsewhere. In my mouth is a pipe presented by the Princess Mary. In the pipe is tobacco. Well, of course you say. But wait, in the pipe is German tobacco. Ha ha, you say. From a prisoner or found in a captured uh, trench? Oh dear no. From a German soldier? Yes, a live German soldier from his own trench. Yesterday the British and Germans met and shook hands in the ground between the trenches and exchanged souvenirs and shook hands. Yes, all day Christmas Day, as, and as I write, marvelous, isn't it? First-hand account. Captain uh, Sir Edward Hulse described a sing-along which ended up with Auld Lang Syne which we all, English, Scots, Irish, Prussians, Württembergers, etc., joined in. It was absolutely astounding, and if I had, had seen it on a cinegraph film, I would have sworn that it was faked. That was his account of it. And a German soldier wrote this. He said it was a day of peace and war. It was only a pity that it was not a decisive peace. It was not a decisive peace. A few years ago, a, a British uh, company put a a commercial together, and I want to play it for you this morning, the video of it, and uh, it's pretty impressive, and uh, it's a pretty accurate depiction of what took place on that day, and I want to play it for you this morning, and then my wife's going to come on up. Jenkins, open. Night.
Otto. Please meet Otto. Freut mich. Rose, she's called. Um, schön, um, schön. I said to Kevin, you need to come stand with me because I'm going to have a hard time getting through this one. Um, and I've, over the years, I, there's lots of times I've taken the microphone or shared, um, but there's a weightiness with this word that I've never felt before in my life. Uh, couldn't sleep last night and I thought, well, I was just thinking and processing things, but in truth, It was, uh, I spent a lot of the night just praying in the spirit, just feeling there's such a weight uh, with what Kevin was sharing today and this whole word. Um, last August, I came home from a morning service and uh, I said to Kevin, I need to talk to you about something. Uh, I said, I've, I said something this morning that I just, I just shouldn't have said. And uh, I related the conversation with him. And he said, um, I don't know if you remember, I'm not going to get into details of what it was. Uh, I don't want to humiliate myself that badly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But um, Kevin said, why would you, why would you do that? And, uh, and I said, I don't know. I said, I just, the words were out. And I, I had no idea that there was such a level of anger within me towards a, a, a situation and, a, and an individual. Um, and I just had no idea, and I didn't say it to them. It was indirect, and I don't know if the other people in the conversation picked up on it, and that really wasn't the point. The point was, in that moment, God exposed to me something that was in my heart that was really, it was sin, and it was just not right. And I began a journey then for the next three months, um, and it was um, on a scripture verse, everything that lies within you live at peace with one another. And it was like playing in my mind over and over some days it was like it just wouldn't quit. Like, what's that song Derek sings about Luke? Uh, baby shark, you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? Baby Luke, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and it would just, and it's like it's both irritating and it's addictive. And that's what was happening is throughout my day, every conversation I had, my thought process, I began to to streamline it and evaluate it through looking through the lens of living at peace with one another and I began to ask myself questions like what lies within me when I'm not at peace with other people and it may not be that I'm having an open debate or discussion or that it's even that they're aware of it but it's within me and sometimes that's actually when it's worse is when you're just stewing on it when you're just home and you're thinking about, are you driving to work, and you're just thinking, man, if I had them in a conversation, what I would like to tell them, and, and you, in your mind, are acting out the ways you'd like to put them in their place, or correct their behavior, or, or areas that they're wrong, and, you know, if only they would do things your way, how much richer and, and better their lives would be. <laughs> We've had conversations like that, actually. Yes. Does she just do it my way? How much better her life would be. <laughs> and uh, in this process, there's several things that I uh, came to stop to think about. Um, and it was um, to seek to understand more than to be understood. So God helped me to see the person and, and why they're thinking and processing in this way. We're not on the same page, but help me to see things through their lens. Help me to process and think more clearly and understand what they're feeling. And you still may not agree, but it's to bring you a place of greater understanding. Maybe it's through their wounding, um, or maybe it's you looking back and realizing the very thing within them that irritates me is actually because I'm a lot like that. That's an ouch. But that, that happens so many times. I'm like, God, how many times have I done that to other people? Like, how many times have I done that? And the other thing was um, reminding yourself that the older you get, you need to understand how much you need grace. So you need to give grace to other people. And I know we're coming into a season 
of getting together with families, and there can be lots of history. And I understand we've had some family dynamics with extended family that we've had to put down some boundaries because of some unhealthy uh, behaviors. And, and even in my um, extended family, um, you know, there was boundaries that had to be set at one point with somebody that uh, was an alcoholic, and so they just weren't safe to be around. And so I understand all those dynamics, but I implore you, what lies within you, everything that lies within you, live at peace with one another. And I'm not talking about a facade where you're pretending and you're not being real, but can you find an area of peace like the guys did on the battlefield that day? Can you not find peace? Is what you're scrapping about going to war over, is it really worth going to war over? You need to count the cost, what you're willing to go to war over. And I, I really believe that for some people, this is a breakthrough day for you. Um, that I don't think the weightiness was just because of what the heaviness of me having to get up and share something personal. But I believe the weightiness is because it's a God-appointed time for some of you to let go years of, of where you've drawn lines in the sand. And you need to open up your arms to a greater degree. Walk in health in the relationships. But there needs to be some changes happening. And I think for others, honestly... There's a pattern for some that have picked up offense so easily. And it's a repetitive behavior in your life. And I believe, I believe that the Lord wants to break that. The question is, are you willing? Are you willing? Is being right all the time more important to you than being righteous? Think long and hard on that. Because some of those lines you've drawn in the sand where you think you're hurting other people, the greatest damage you're actually doing is to yourself and to the people that you actually love the most. So I just pray for a, just a tenderness of your heart right now. To a, I know the Holy Spirit is drawing, so I just pray for a tenderness of hearts right now, for an opening of the ears, a receptiveness in your heart to, uh, to be willing, to be willing to forgive those who've offended you, to be willing to seek to understand other people more than say, but you don't understand me. And I believe that as you seek to understand those, other, those others around you, that they actually in turn will begin to understand you more in return. So I just pray that, um, that this would be just a, a, a solemn moment for you. And it just would just be a turning point and a victory in your life, a victory in a long, long battle, that this would be a victory for you this morning. I'm just going to ask you to stand with Sherry and I this morning. Um, in our lives, you know, sometimes you don't know other people very well, so you don't know what other people have went through. And it's easy to conclude when you look at other people that their life is just so much better or so much easier than yours. How many know that that's almost never true? 
And uh, the reality is that everybody has different things they have to work through. Everybody has conflict that comes up. Everybody has choices to make what they're going to do with that conflict. God's empowered every one of you with choice, with power to choose. And, you know, when the Holy Spirit spoke to Sherry that day, and I remember her telling me about it, and I was like, what did you say? You know, and I was shocked because it was so out of character for her. And then I realized there was something brewing in her about that that was pretty intense. And we just needed to give that over to Jesus. And I've had days when she's probably looked at me and said, what did you say? Uh, just exactly the same. And, uh, you know, the tendency can be, especially when you come from a family that was the, the operating fuel in my home as a child was sarcasm. So uh, my house ran on sarcasm. It was, it was what kept us all going. And so how many know that marriages don't work very well on sarcasm, though? You know, have you discovered that? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't work very well. And so uh, I had to lay down my greatest weapon, my weapon of sarcasm. I had to put that thing down if I was going to have a, a, a peaceful relationship with my wife. And uh, don't worry, I still taught my boys a little bit about sarcasm, and they can still throw it out uh, every once in a while. And even Amanda's got not too bad at it. Uh, but, uh, but we realize that's not how you build peace in a home. And, you know, and if your house isn't at peace, then you're not going to be at peace. And uh, your children won't be at peace. And what we, what we invest in in our home is passed on to our children. And they'll replicate in their own homes. And so I believe this morning that the Prince of Peace, you're, you're probably expecting something a little more fluffy this morning uh, and, and Christmassy, but this is serious stuff. Jesus came to establish peace. Mm-hmm. And, and some of you got some work to do when you leave here today. It might be repairing things with your spouse. might be repairing things with your children. It might be with siblings. I don't know. But you're going to have to go to work on some establishing some peace. And as Sherry said this morning, don't, don't let it sit. Don't let it breathe. Deal with it. Deal with it. You know, we're not perfect people, but we're people that want to contend for the things that matter most. And uh, peace is one of those things that matters most. And we're willing to contend for it. So I want you just to put your hands out like this this morning. Uh, Father, I ask right now in the name of Jesus that you would pour peace into these outstretched hands. And Father, that we would take a hold of that peace and we would, Father, draw it into ourself. Just take your arms and fold them into yourself like you're you're, you're drawing something close to your body. And, and you would take that peace and we would hold it close to our heart. And Father, we'd recognize that, Lord, the peace of God that transcends all human understanding can be ours. But Father, we need to, to Father, go after the Prince of Peace in order to have it. And Father, I pray that we would not let any bitter root, any offense get in our way. As Sherry said this morning, as far as it lies within me, Lord, I choose to deal with the things that are disrupting my peace. Father, I choose to be an instrument of peace. I choose to be a merchant of peace. Somebody who is working and, 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 and in the marketplace and in the, every environment I go, I'm spreading peace in Jesus' name. Father, uh, for those this morning that, Lord, that they're facing a mountain and they don't see how they can bring reconciliation. Father, may they know that peace is the only way. And Father, uh, that Lord, you are the Prince of Peace. You have established it through your Son, Jesus. And so, Father, today, in Jesus' name, we ask for your peace. We want it this Christmas season more than any other time of year. Father, we, we hunger for it. We thirst for it. We want peace on earth. And Father, but we got to start right here, right now. And Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, My wife and I 
would like to pray. If, if you're here this morning and, and what she shared has touched your heart, and you're saying, man, I got a, a mountain that just I don't know how I can bring peace to it. We want to pray with you. We want to ask God to help bring peace to that situation mm-hmm. because I believe God can do it. I know some of you got to go. It's really late. You're like kids have been waiting in the foyer, you know, ripping the decorations up down the hall and all that kind of stuff. So I know you got to go get them. But if you would like to receive prayer, we're not going anywhere. We are right here to minister to you this morning. So Father, in Jesus' name, we release everybody to go. But Father, we want, if we need to do business here this morning, we come and we do business right now, right here. We do not leave this opportunity for peace. And Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.